0: This is episode 008 with Dr. Steve Perry. Welcome to Z-Rated Success. Z-Rated Success. The podcast to help educators and those who work with youth to help them succeed by standing out instead of fitting in. This this is Z-Rated Success. And this is Nick ZZ. I am super excited today to have our guests. And perhaps you've heard about them. I'm sure you've probably seen them on CNN and many other networks. And before I get to that, let me just tell you that today is going to be a great day loaded with great tips and strategies to help you be a standout success. What we do here at Z-Rated Success is we look for other standout educators who are zebras who are making an impact. And our next guest, let me tell you, let's go right into it. He is the builder of five successful schools. He is the founder and head of Capital Prep Schools. His unique and powerful voice is respected and has been featured on MSNBC, Fox, CNN, and many other networks. He is the educator Oprah Winfrey, Sean P. Diddy Combs, Bishop T.D. Jakes, and Steve Harvey call on to offer insight to parents and children. His name is Dr. Steve Perry, welcome to Z-Rated Success. How are you? i having the time in my life, brother. How about yourself? Doing well, thank you. Glad that you could make it to our show today. It's an honor to have you. Let's go back. Let's go way back. Let's step into a time machine here and go back to when you were born. And tell us about that whole experience of growing up. I don't have much by way of
1: recollection of the birth itself, but I hear that it happened on my mother's 16th birthday. And I was born a third generation of poverty into public housing. And for me, growing up poor wasn't my challenge, meaning that I didn't know we were poor. It was my mother's challenge. I was a kid. So as a kid, what I got the opportunity to do is to be part of a community of children who just wanted to be kids. So we didn't know that Everybody didn't have that conversation before you get out the car. Don't ask for nothing. Don't touch nothing. Don't look at nothing. It just seemed like that's what everybody's mother said. So that's just how it was. For us, I came from a a big family and I lived in a community of children. So we were just kids trying to find something to do all day. And we didn't have the luxury of video games that were worth a damn. So we had to actually go outside and do something. That's what we did.
0: Well, it's great. It's good, good to hear that because I know there are many people who perhaps have students that they're working with who are from the projects, who are living in the projects, who, are, who have all types of challenges that they're facing. And some educators may feel that it's hard to connect with those students. So let me ask you, when you were in school, were there educators that made an indelible mark in your life that really resonated with you and helped push you beyond where you were at that time? There were a couple, not a lot,
1: if I'm going to be real, but there were a couple, one of whom is named Mr. Kensel. When I was in school, I've since realized I was in remedial classes until I was in the eighth grade, until I was in high school. What changed that was I had been selected for an upward bound program. And when I went into high school, they took me out of all of the remedial classes that I was just being tracked into. But prior to that, after staying back in the third grade, my soon to be fourth grade teacher, Mr. Kensel, approached me and he said, you're going to be good in my class. And I had never heard anyone tell me I was even considered good. It just wasn't even it just wasn't who I knew myself to be. I, I knew I was a bad kid because that's what I heard all the time. So as a bad kid, I just expected that I was going to be bad. And that's what it is. So it was later on after that in high school that I met Mr. Saunders, who was my chorus teacher, which I was in chorus, not because I could sing, but because there were pretty girls there (laughs) who took on a role as a father for not just me, but me and, and other young brothers there. He had us before he had his kids. I don't know if we were an awesome trade-off, but we were what he had. So he has since had two sons who are very successful young men in their own right. But I can think of two. The, a lot more came from the coaches that I had, football coaches in particular, who made me feel like I was somebody, made me feel like there was something to look forward to, and, and that
0: if I worked hard, I could get it. Well, that's awesome. So, if I hear you correctly, and I also read this in your book, "Push has come to shove," that an educator's expectation, right, in the student makes a tremendous difference as to what they do and how they perform in school. Is that correct? That's everything. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the
1: whole thing.
0: Okay. I don't care if
1: you can pass the praxis. I don't care if you majored in education when you were in undergrad, or you have a master's in education. I don't care if you went to an Ivy League school or you went to an open admission school. What matters most, what matters more than anything at all, are the expectations that a teacher puts on their children because those expectations drive the expectations that they have of themselves. If they expect the child to go on to a fantastic college and live an amazing life, then they set their own curriculum up such that those expectations are there, that they're going to be taught and they're going to learn to do the things that are necessary in order to be successful in that life. If they see them as not having the capacity to learn, for whatever reasons, it could be the soft racism of low expectations, as George Bush once said, or it could be just garden variety, socioeconomic or pure unadulterated racism, which doesn't come just from white people. It could come from black people with some self-hate then you will, if you have those low expectations, then you won't give kids homework. You won't give them rigorous assignments. You won't make them rewrite the assignment. You won't make them get punctuation right. You won't make them get capitalization right. You won't make them spell it right. Because you don't care. You figure they don't, if they don't get it, they don't get it. And, And on the one hand, it's, I don't care, overt. And on the other hand, it's, oh, they can't do it because they're poor or because their mother can't read or because they don't speak English or the oh, and, and either way, it yields the same thing. Those individuals who have the highest expectations coupled with the highest support are the ones who get the most out of our children.
0: That's amazing. So what what are the qualities of top educators? What are the qualities that you find that you see? And top educators, the the ones that you work with at your schools, and and those that you've met across the nation. So it's interesting that I'm
1: being interviewed, and as opposed to doing interviews, because that's what I'm—we're in the season now of is doing interviews for faculty members. And I don't know. I listen to different people say different things, and I try to glean if this person is going to be a clown, who's going to be all talk and no action, or if this person who really doesn't do a really good job of interviewing or speaking about herself is going to be about that life. So the first part of this is I don't know how to identify them. I want to be the first to say I don't. Second, I'll say with my best effort, my best guess, what I attempt to do when identifying educators is I look at what they do in their free time. So when I'm asking questions about an educator I want to hear what their story is. I want to know why they entered into education and what they hope to get from it and give to it. I also want to know when they're in school do they coach? Do they lead other outside organizations? What do they do on their weekends? Those people for whom this is a life choice are much more likely to put the work in. One of the questions that we ask is what do you coach? And if the answer is I don't coach anything, then you shouldn't work with us. It's not about coaching a sport. There's got to be something that you know how to do that you want to show children. Because that at its core is what educators do. It's I know how to do something and I have this burning desire to show you how to do it and to show you how to do it better than I know how to do it. So to me, it's like an artist. Mm -hmm. There are some artists who are fantastic artists. They don't want to teach anybody how to do it. They're not teachers. There are people who play basketball. They don't want to show anybody to do it. They just want to play it. There are mathematicians who just want to do math. It doesn't mean that they're bad at their craft. It just means that they can't teach. Similarly, there are people who may not be amazing artists or amazing athletes or amazing mathematicians, but they want to teach people what they know. There is a fundamental difference. So at its core, at the end of it, I just want to find people who really, 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 really really want kids to learn.
0: That's good. So then the other question then would be, What makes a good teacher? You mentioned several things here as you were speaking, but I just want you, if you could, I don't know if it's possible, but from your experience, I'm sure you have experience and you can tell us a little bit more about this, but what makes a good teacher? You mentioned that they want to teach, right? They really have to have a desire. They really want to do this thing, but but what else is there?
1: It's an intersection of humility Mm -hmm. and confidence. Mm -hmm. A great teacher has to come in understanding that she or he doesn't know everything. And so they approach children in that way. Look, look, you know, sometimes I know the answer. Sometimes I don't. When I don't know, we'll work it out together. They also have a sense of confidence. Like I can do this. I can get this done. Mm -hmm. There's an urgency. Come on, y'all. We got to get this. There's an excitement that they bring to it. Like, come on, you can do it. They are great teachers are great coaches. They can show you how to do something. So ultimately, what they still in the student is you got this. You know how to do it. That's what they bring that's different than any other person. They're not afraid of work. Anytime teachers start telling me how they are going above and beyond, I start to question whether or not they are going to be great.
0: Hmm. And I was watching an interview, and I remember many years ago, I I seen it on CNN. Then recently, as I was just preparing for this interview, I saw it as well where you are not just the head of your school, but you actually went to pick up students. You went the extra mile. I mean, why go the extra mile as an educator? If you can say, well, this is what I'm doing here. I'm in the classroom. I'm teaching these kids. But why do I have to pick them up? Or why do I have to go and find out more than what's expected of me as an educator?
1: Yeah, so there lies the point. It's not extra. Okay. If you have children, mm-hmm. You don't consider lying next to them when they're afraid because they have a fever going the extra mile. You're not a doctor. You don't know what to do. You're just there to comfort them. When you have a child who is a girl, for instance, and you're a male and you don't know how to talk her through some of the things she's feeling or vice versa, a woman who has a son, it's not going the extra mile. You're just being a parent. That's what you do. You you fill in the gaps. and. If you don't see yourself as mortar, then you see yourself as a martyr. You see yourself as woe is me. I gotta grade all these papers. I gotta be at this event. I gotta do this kid. I gotta get. If that's then you're not you're not right for schools. Go do something else for a living. We don't need you. Seriously, we don't need you. You are the problem. So much of the conversation around education is about how the teachers are overworked and underpaid and blah, 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 blah. If you want to make more money, go do something different, man. Seriously. This is what you know what it is you signed up for. Shut up. Do the damn job. Like I mean that for real. Like, I'm so tired of people coming to me talking about how hard they work. Get over yourself. Oh, my God for real. I finished my last call last night at midnight. I've started my first one at 630. I went straight through. I could show you my schedule. I had at no point did I have anything more than a 15 minute break. I feel so blessed that I have the opportunity to spend an entire day doing what I love. Like, why would I complain about that? Who does that? Who does that? Who goes and says, man, I'm sitting on this beach in this beautiful sunshine. Can you believe I got to do this? Who does that? (laughs) I'm sitting here with this beautiful woman and I'm all week sitting here doing this, loving on each other. Can you believe I got to deal with that? I'm sitting with my children. Like, who does that? Shut up. Spend less time complaining, more time enjoying. We're on the right side of the dirt right now. We're going to spend the rest of eternity on the other side. All of us are but grains of sand on a very large beach. We are stars in the sky and in an infinite, infinite sky. Don't get so caught up on yourself. This is an awesome opportunity. It's strange because introductions are what they are. And, and I know we send in a bio and it says who I get to work with and you know, Oprah's nice and Puff is dope and Jake's is a good friend now, and Harvey is just a good, really good friend. Mm-hmm. And they would appreciate what I'm saying. They're not the coolest people I know. They're not. I got some kindergartners who are just cool as hell. Like, they're just cool <laughs> kids. Like, they're just dope. Like, you just meet them. Got this little kid, his name is Lawrence, and Lawrence is just the sweetest little boy. And I mean, he may not be famous. He may never be famous. He may never be rich. And he may be famous and he may be rich. It's not going to change the content of his character. Mm-hmm. I get to be a part of Lawrence's life. And maybe one day he'll maybe remember that he knew me. Maybe he will. Maybe he will. But if he doesn't, I get to say that I know him. And that to me is so... like I, I get to open up schools in the hood to mm-hmm. save my community. I get to be a black man who opens schools in the hood are you kidding me? Why would I complain about that? Why would I uh, well, you know, I need a work-life balance. Okay, whatever. Get over yourself. How about this? How about align your life to your work? And then it doesn't ever feel like you're working.
0: Mm, say that again.
1: Align your work to your life. If your life is so different, meaning that if your spouse, a partner doesn't support what you do, if your other parts of your life don't align. If you have to consistently explain to the people around you
0: what you do with your time, and this is what you do with your time, you're around the wrong people. Hmm. Or wow. you're doing the wrong thing. Great, great points. Great points. I know there's a whole lot we can go back and unpack and everything you just said there, but this is very good here. And I, I know that you're the voice of the disadvantaged, right? The disadvantaged children. So with that, I want us to kind of focus quickly on how do we help our students who are behind, right? How do we help our student right now who is reading the low grade level? How do we get these kids up to par with limited resources? Because a lot of educators listening to our podcast uh, may be dealing with that. They may be in an under-resourced school. They may be in a public school or they may be in a charter school and they just have that classroom. They just have those students there. How can we do it as educators? I got to start. I am a voice in a very large
1: chorus of people Mm -hmm. who see the beauty in our children. I would never claim the mantle of being the voice, but but I appreciate being included among those who are singing the praises of our children in our community. Second, it's not about resources at all. I wish it were. It has nothing to do with resources. It has everything to do with commitment. We have to make sure that what we're doing as educators is to create a setting within which the children understand that we are here to teach them. If you have a cell phone, you have all the resources that you need to teach any child anything. I mean, really. Many times when schools talk about being under-resourced, what they really mean is that they can't hire more people to take and do the jobs that the people that they're paid to do should be doing. When we're hiring a bunch of reading specialists and math specialists and all those other specialists. We're doing so because the people who are supposed to be teaching them reading, writing, and, and computation are doing a poor job. The fact is that that level of specialization may be necessary for some children who have special needs, but the general population doesn't typically need that much support uh, if you have a person in the classroom who can actually teach children to read, write, and compute. Similarly, you work your way all the way up to the upper grades and upper Subjects, and what you find is that inevitably it boils down to the quality of instruction. It's that person's ability to take information that is in their head, organize it in such a way that the children will understand it. Learning is concrete, sequential, which means ultimately that we have to create, not want to. We have to create learning sequences that provide the children to be met where they are. Measured where they grow, get build up the confidence because before you can have competence, you have to have confidence. Build up the competence, I mean, the confidence in our children that this that is being taught can be learned
0: and it can be learned by them. That's incredible. So, it can be done. So, from what I'm hearing you say, it can be done. So, wherever I am as an educator right now, whether I am at a charter school or a public school. I can still figure this thing out. So let's say if I'm not getting the support that I need from administration, from the school, what other sources or resources should I tap into to help these students? I would again, push back. When you're in that
1: classroom, it's you. Straight up, that's your world. Nobody says you can't stay after school with those children. Nobody says you can't meet them on the weekends. Nobody says, especially now with Zoom coming into play, Nobody says you can't Zoom with them later on. You find me an administrator who says, no, 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 I don't want you staying up to school to help these kids. No, 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 I don't want you coming in early in the morning to help these kids. I don't want you sitting with them during lunch. I don't want you doing this during the weekends. The only way to make up time is to make time. You can't take children who come multiple years behind, give them the same amount of time on task and expect that they're going to catch up. The overwhelming majority of the children who come to our schools are below grade level. We have grades in which not one kid who's come to us is at grade level. So our third and fourth grade in one of our schools, the 0% of the kids came to, at grade level in math, zero. So the only way to get them there is to spend more time on task and to put a strong instructor in
0: front of them. It's awesome. And I like what you just said there, make up time. To make up time, you have to make time, right? You've got to make time for the students. And that's very important. So with that, we're going to wrap this up in just a few seconds here. Are there any final thoughts or words that you would like to share with the educators out there who are listening to this podcast as to what they can do to be a standout success like you and everyone on your team, the way that you're showing up in this world, the way that you're making an impact? What else would you say to them? Put children first. Stop
1: making it about you. I'm so sick and tired of hearing people complain about the challenges of the job. And it is a complaint. It's like a physician, an emergency room physician talking about having blood on her. I mean, what are you expecting? This is the job. A mechanic having dirt under his or her nails. Like, this is not what we do. We are fortunate we get to work with children.
0: So stay focused, go hard. Awesome. Stay focused, go hard. Thank you again, Dr. Perry, for coming on. Dr. Perry, how can we support you?
1: Yeah, I can go to Dr. Steve Perry on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or you can go to our website, wearecapitalprep.org.
0: Awesome. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you for listening to Z-Rated Success. I hope you were inspired today from our guests. I hope you learned something about standing out. If you are an educator that wants to get professional development or want to get a presentation for your students to help build their self-esteem so that they are not following the crowd, but that they are knowing who they are so they can stand out, please send an email to info at nickzz.com so we can set up a time to talk. I would love to see about getting my speaking program or my book or my professional development in your school. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, imitation is limitation. Unleash your zebra. If you've received value from today's podcast, make sure to subscribe and visit ZRatedSuccess.com for more tips and strategies that will help you stand out instead of fit in. Reminding you today to unleash your zebra. Unleash your zebra.